I would like to talk to you about that first Christmas and specifically today talk about the significance of it and, and, and how it can be summarized in a single statement. It's not only the message of that first Christmas, it's the message of Jesus' entire ministry. And it's not only the message of Jesus' entire ministry, I'm here to submit to you today it is the message of the entire Bible and what Christmas is about. Now all the Gospels say that when Jesus was baptized and was tempted in the wilderness and then came out and began his public ministry, it began with him saying these words, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. All of what Christmas is about and all of what Jesus' ministry is about and all of what the Bible is about is this phrase that Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, I'd like you to get this on your lips with me today and more so, I'd like you to get it on your minds and hearts with me today. So I ask you to look at these words and repeat them with me right now. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now it's said that the mother of learning is repetition, so let's say it again. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Now, you give it a whirl. From that time on, he began to preach, the kingdom of heaven is near. It is what Christmas is all about. That the kingdom of heaven, or as other gospel writers call it, the kingdom of God. That the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God is near. It is Christmas. It is Jesus' ministry. It is Jesus' mission. And it is the entire sum purpose of the Bible's message to you. That in Christ, the kingdom of heaven is near. To understand this is to understand Christmas and the Bible. To understand the significance of this is to understand the depths of what Christmas is all about. To miss this is to miss Christmas, to miss Jesus, and to miss the Bible. This phrase, the kingdom of heaven, or the kingdom of God, as the other gospel writers will put it. It's a New Testament phrase that you won't see explicitly stated in the Old Testament. But this New Testament phrase runs deep in other ways and finds itself rooted even in the beginnings of the Old Testament hope. Now what we see is that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That the earth was formless and void. And that the Spirit of God hovered over the great abyss of nothingness that was the chaos of the uncreated order. And we see that God comes into this meaningless, empty, chaotic darkness. And he begins to speak. And when he speaks, he brings light and order and purpose and meaning to the abyss and the chaos and the emptiness and the nothingness that existed before him. And the ancient writer in this poetic phrase shows God speaks and it was so. And God speaks and it was so. And God speaks and it was so. And before the very eyes of God, 
A creation emerges filled with wonder and beauty and meaning and truth. That life abounded, that God was near, and that it was, in the writer's words, very good. We see in the beginning of this story that those who were opposed to the things of God come and seek to reverse God's creation back to meaningless and chaos and darkness and abyss. And in one of the earliest stories of the Bible, there's this occurrence of this serpent, this snake, this dragon that comes. And he comes to God's pinnacle of creation, this man and this woman that he has created to be in life and meaning and order and harmony and purpose with him. And he tricks them, he deceives them, he convinces them to turn their backs on God, and they do. And creation becomes unraveled. And the trajectory, instead of going towards the life, the meaning, and the order that God intended, begins to revert back to the abyss, to darkness and nothingness and meaningless and despair. And even here, in the beginning of the Bible, in the beginning of the story, we see God utter something that will come to have utter significance in the words of Jesus. We see God come into darkness, into a time of darkness, into a time of pain and hopelessness and despair. When separation from God has occurred, when the creation is broken, and all that was intended has unraveled, and God comes down, and he comes into the midst, and he utters a promise which echoes throughout the scriptures and finds its meaning in Christmas, that the day will come when God will come again and restore to beauty and meaning and order and purpose and goodness all that God had intended in the beginning. He utters these words. He says to the woman, I will put enmity. Do you know that word, enmity? Hostility and hatred. I will put hostility and hatred between you, serpent, and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. And he will strike your head, and you will strike his heel. Now I have a question for you here today. What happens if you stamp on the head of a snake? Well, it depends how fast you are, right? <laughs> but let's say your shot is good, your heel is thick, and you are determined, all right? What happens if you stomp on the head of a snake? You kill it. And what happens if a poisonous snake bites your heel? And from the very beginning, God prophesied that the day would come when God would come again and the offspring of the woman who fell would come to destroy the one who destroyed that which God intended. And from that time forward, a cosmic war began, <coughs> foreshadowing the day when the, when the mutual death blows would be issued between the forces of darkness and the forces of life and what God had called very good in the beginning would be restored again. 
Now please hear me today and do not miss this point. When Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is near. This kingdom of heaven, this kingdom of God is the expression he gives to what has occurred since the beginning of God seeking to restore his creation again. Are you with me? That when God's kingdom comes, the kingdom of heaven comes back down to earth, it comes as, as a vanguard invading force to set right and defeat the foes of that which stands against God's harmony and order and goodness and beauty and creation. Are you with me? And do you begin to taste this morning the longing hope of what Christmas is all about in these words, the kingdom of heaven? Is near. Now I'd like to talk to you for a moment about this idea that the kingdom of heaven or that the kingdom of God is near. What is near? How are we to understand near? See, there's a few different ways to try to capture this idea of near. For example, I am near the tree. It's discussing a spatial reference between us, right? It's describing our proximity to one another. But is there any danger of the tree by me or any danger from me upon the tree occurring because of our nearness? No, it's kind of a neutral value statement, isn't it? Yeah, they're close, but there's no urgency about the idea that the tree and I are near, is there? Now, what if I was to say something like this, that the tree is coming upon you? Suddenly, it starts to change meaning, doesn't it? The nuance is different. Because now, not only does it carry an idea that somehow the tree is coming closer, it's getting nearer, it has a sense, oh no, I better look, because if I don't, it's going to be here before I know it. Are you with me? The English translators of various Bibles have tried to wrestle with the full intention and grasp of what Jesus is saying when he says the kingdom of God is near. Because for Jesus, it means something so much more than it's kind of right there. It carries something more urgent in its heartbeat as well. Let, let, let me show you a few translations here today of how different English, writer, uh, English Bibles put it. The NIV says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. The ESV says, repent for the kingdom of God is what? It's at hand. And the NRSV, the kingdom of heaven has come near. It's near because it's been near already. And you just got to love Young's literal translation here, right? Reform ye, for come nigh hath the reign of the heavens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I just think this should like redefine our evangelistic campaigns of going out to street cars going, reform ye for come nigh hath come the kingdom of the heavens. It's the sense that what the kingdom of heaven is near is trying to get across is that it is upon you. So in Gedini's English contemporary translation, it would be this. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is in your face. It is in your face. And if you blink, it just might hit you. Because when something is in your face, it is so much deeper than it just being near. Would you agree? 
Because right now, relatively speaking, in this world, we can say that you and I are near. Would you agree? And yet you and I are safe from each other. But tell me, describing us being near right now, does it have a different sense than this? <laughs> Thank you, ma'am. <laughs> Awkward moments in Fellowship of Faith history. It's a different sense, isn't it? And what if it kept coming nearer and nearer and nearer at that same trajectory? Do you taste the urgency? Do you taste the immediacy? Do you taste the idea of what Jesus says when he says, repent, now, do it. The kingdom of heaven is upon you. Do not delay. Do not miss it for everything that God has promised from the days of old to set right again. Everything that has fallen back into the abyss is being restored and coming right before your eyes. The kingdom of God is in your face. It is what Christmas is all about. It is what Jesus' ministry is all about. It is what the Bible is all about. My wife and I are blessed to have gigantic families. Our immediate families per se themselves are probably what you would consider quote-unquote normal size. But, but to phrase it oddly, I have been blessed in my life with parents who have gone through a series of divorces and remarriages. And because of the blessing, and I mean this, of, of the divorces and remarriages and the harmony that they were able to find post-divorce and remarriage, I have... Well, let's just say I don't have a family tree as much as I have spokes coming off <laughs> of a central hub. And I'm not talking in some strange Arkansas kind of way, all right? Just so we're... <laughs> and so at Christmas time, my wife and I are utterly blessed. Because the problem that we have at Christmas is not what do we do today. But how do we do it all when there's one, two, three, four, five, not making this up, six families with extended aunts and uncles and cousins who continue to get together trying to make it happen? Now, you guys know this Christmas pain, don't you? Getting all the relatives together on one day in one house. And you know this pain, don't you, that the older your kids get, the more and more difficult it is to get them all together on one day in one house. Christmas is no longer the sacred property of mom and dad anymore. Christmas Eve is no longer the sacred property of mom and dad anymore because the in-laws' parents have this sick idea that they should be entitled to Christmas Eve too. Are you with me? And so the family struggle of our age is trying to balance days. And something that our families have started doing that maybe yours can um, resonate with is the alternate Christmas experience. You know what I mean? Christmas doesn't become a day anymore as much as it becomes like a 60-day season. I think we'll get together on July 3rd this year to get the family together. And, and you're exchanging like gifts around this like dried-out tree that you then do a bonfire with afterwards or, or something, Right? Are you with, does anyone have Christmas like that? I mean, just give me some help here. Are you resonating with me? And so what this means is that for my wife's family, Christmas has had to move to an alternate day. 
This year it was December 1st. Yesterday. Now, my wife's family is incredible in so many ways, and I'm not just saying that because she'll listen to the recording later. <laughs> she has been blessed with a family where the aunts have stayed very close and their cousins have stayed very close, not only in terms of geographical proximity to each other, but more so emotionally and spiritually in connection with each other. So the Christmas gatherings of ages past when she was a kid and 20 people would be at grandma's house have now grown to 50 to 60 people with their spouses and their kids coming on alternate Christmas day to grandma's house. And this is what we got to experience yesterday. Gathering together with Tina's aunts and her cousins. But now my kids and her kids and their kids and all the second cousins getting together as well. Now, in Tina's family, there's an ancient tradition that they celebrate every Christmas and, and truly every holiday gathering. It's called Kipfer Dodgeball. All right? Kipfer is, 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 is the grandma's maiden name. And when the Kipfer family gathers, what they must do, nay, are commanded to do, is play dodgeball. They play these epic games of dodgeball and the weather coordinated and it is hardcore and cutthroat and it goes on for hours, rain or shine. Someone gets a stick in the eye, the game must go on. All right? And we had this amazing experience yesterday of gathering together, watching moms and dads with love in their heart try to take the heads off of their cousin's kids and this epic game of dodgeball. And it struck me in the middle of it as I turned and I took one square in the face. This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. <laughs> the kingdom of heaven is in your face. It is what Christmas is all about. And if you are not watching and alert, it is going to smack you upside the head when you least expect it. Are you with me? Now, I was struggling mightily over the week to try to figure out how to best communicate the emotion of in your face. And as we were playing dodgeball yesterday, I had the brilliant idea, what would it be like if we chose to play dodgeball here today as part of this message to fully experience the randomness, don't go anywhere, you, get your butt in that chair, of what it might be like. But then I thought I would get an angry email on that, and I just can't abide by that in the Christmas season. And then before my eyes last night, it appeared. As the gifts were being opened, and my eight-year-old son, Ben, took this, this package before him and began to tear back the paper. And this emerged. And it was an amazing experience at the Kip for Christmas yesterday because for the rest of the night, you were being pelted with marshmallows <laughs> when you least expected it. So I think of these words, well, we got them here on top, when Jesus says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And I think it is better understood like this. Repent! Oh, I broke his gun. Dodgeball's on. 
What is it? I just really want it to work. <laughs> what is it like when it is coming and you have no choice and the only thing in your power to do is to look fast, heads up, or it might smack you? Why is it that Jesus says repent? Why is he says repent? Because if you don't repent, it is going to smack you in the face. This fancy church word repent, all it means is turn. Look. You're not paying attention. Look, because if you don't, it's dodgeball time. And when you're not ready, dodgeball hurts. Are you with me? It is what Christmas is about. It is what Jesus' ministry is about. The kingdom of heaven is in your face. And God's message to you is this. Repent. Turn. Now. Immediately. Because there is an urgency of what God is looking to do in you and through you. And there is an urgency to what God is doing in this world and the trajectory of where history is going and what is going to come upon you, whether you like it or not. And Jesus comes to tell you, be ready. The kingdom is coming and nothing will stop it. God is coming back in. And where will you find yourself when it does? See, what I've come to find is that even though the kingdom has come in Jesus and even though we live in the inbreaking of the kingdom now, there are these times and moments in life when God still comes, doesn't he? And he comes and in that moment, a decision is to be made. Not a decision to ponder, not a decision to, well, I'll pray through it. Where God is calling you and he says, now, come, now, go, now, turn. And what we do in that moment with the urgency that is upon us has far-reaching ramifications for what lies ahead. The kingdom of heaven is near. It is the message of Christmas. And it continues to be the hope the expectation, the message that God calls to us today. So may the words of Christ this Christmas resonate deep in your heart. May you repent and not delay because it's upon you. Don't miss it.